You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. Hey everyone, Matt from Occupier here. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to another episode of the Fully Occupied Podcast. If you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe on your favorite listening platform or just shoot us a note at marketing at occupier.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on future guests, topics you'd like to hear about, ask us any questions you have, or just say hi. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, Matt from Occupier here. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, we have a special episode for you here today. This is actually a repost from the Cornet Global What's Next podcast. I sat down with Tim Venable uh, and recorded my thoughts on trends in commercial real estate and how Occupier is fitting into that landscape and bringing some much-needed technology to an ever-evolving space. Hope you enjoy the show. Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornet Global. Joining me for this edition of What's Next is Matt Jafoon, co-founder of Occupier. Thanks very much for being here, Matt. And if you would, please introduce yourself and Occupier a little further. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tim. I uh, really appreciate the time. Um, so I'm Matt Jafoon. I'm one of the co-founders of Occupier. We're a lease management uh, platform for tenants. Uh, essentially, we bring a company's real estate portfolio online uh, by connecting all their stakeholders uh, in their real estate groups and other departments within the business um, to manage the entire life cycle of a lease. So our software allows a company to plan transactions, manage those transactions with uh, a range of stakeholders, most notably their, their brokers. Uh, and then we actually have lease administration software that allows them to be much more proactive with their portfolio decisions. And finally, we have uh, lease accounting software as well, which allows uh, the finance team to uh, maintain compliance with uh, lease accounting standards like FASB ASC 842 and IFRS 16. Uh, in doing this, we also um, employ a product for tenant representation brokers. Um, so brokers who are prospecting for individual tenants or managing portfolio uh, assignments on behalf of corporate occupiers, uh, they can use our platform to manage the entire pipeline of transactions and also collaborate with their clients on deals. So uh, my personal background is in corporate real estate. I spent about 10 years working at JLL uh, here in the Boston uh, area. So I represented both local landlords and tenants, but I also did corporate portfolio transaction management work as well. It was through that experience that, you know, we recognized that there wasn't a really good kind of lightweight software platform uh, that answered all those questions um, about how to centralize and proactively manage uh, real estate decisions. So uh, the mission of Occupier is essentially to bring commercial real estate online for tenants and tenant rep brokers. Uh, and give them the tools necessary to uh, make proper portfolio decisions without having to rely on old legacy software solutions or a spreadsheet for this and a report for that and a conference call for that. We're just trying to bring some modern um, cloud software to the commercial real estate space. And we work with companies across uh, several different sectors. So it's not just corporate occupiers that use our software. We're, we're actually uh, heavily used by retailers as well. So uh, stores that are trying to grow their footprint or manage a footprint of stores. They could be corporate owned, they could be franchises. Uh, we also work across uh, several different asset classes like life science, healthcare, education, industrial, et cetera. 
Cool. Okay. Well, you've got a great background and it sounds like uh, Occupier is squarely in the middle of all the challenges and opportunities that our members are facing today. So we're here to talk about some of those trends and um, glad to have you on today. So here's my first question, uh, Matt. How are companies looking at changing their workplace strategy after about 15 plus months of experimentation with work from home? Yeah, that's the $64,000 question in the real estate world right now. I think you know, obviously the internet and the headlines are kind of littered with all sorts of different um, takes on this. But I think if you kind of focus in on people space, companies that are employing people, it feels like there's a consensus forming around this concept of a hybrid model. However you want to define that, I think is not going to be based on a company by company basis. But I think because technology has kind of advanced, at least the use of technology during the pandemic had accelerated so much that people have realized that, you know, there isn't necessarily a imperative for them to be sitting at a desk in an office every day. Obviously, like I, I've been working from home up until just recently, and I had no problems logging into Zoom calls and getting on Google Meets and, you know, doing my work in Slack and communicating over email. Obviously, there was a miss, you know, missing of like that human interaction with, you know, my, my colleagues. But it just proves that you could do your job from your bedroom if you have to. Um, whether that everybody is going to prefer to do that is completely a personal choice. So I think the big shift is the companies that are embracing that personal choice of the employee um, are going to be the ones that are the most successful coming out of the, the pandemic. Now, obviously there's certain jobs that might require you to be in the office more, or there might be a corporate culture that exists and the physical presence in the office is part of that culture. So it's not like every company is going to suddenly say, hey, you could just work from wherever you want, but because there's the option to work, whether it's from home or the local coffee shop, or if you're a salesperson and you're traveling, obviously you need to work from an airport or wherever, um, there's just now so much more flexibility. And I think the, the big part of it is also just the recruitment of talent, right? Like if I'm a parent with young kids and I don't want to spend two hours in my car every day driving into the city and back, I want to get to the Little League game, you know, maybe I'm going to work from home that day and adjust my hours, or maybe I'm going to work four hours a week and take Fridays to myself. So I think it's, it's, it's not just about the real estate aspect of it in the physical workspace. It's more about, you know, the personal choices of employees and like how they feel like they're doing their best work. And I think if companies can start accommodating that, then the workplace decisions could be designed around that. The space, the space use, the location of the space, you know, are you going to go one headquarters and that's it? Or are you going to do kind of a smaller headquarters and like hub and spoke model? So I think it's TBD how this is all going to play out. And it's probably like another four or five years until kind of things normalize where um, there's kind of now like a new normal for, for the workplace. Exactly. Well, certainly the pandemic has upended workplace strategies. And as you say, it'll take a little while for it to all settle down and figure out where it's going to end up. So my next question, uh, also about the pandemic, how would you say the pandemic has accelerated the pace of digital transformation for businesses, specifically with respect to real estate? I think like we've, we've moved forward like five years like just in like the matter of the last year. I mean, just speaking from the occupier perspective, we sell software to tenants to help them better manage their real estate decisions so that we're essentially taking their lease portfolio data, 
and digitizing it into a format that is automated, that's collaborative. And then we're building workflows off for all sorts of stakeholders um, within you know, the, the real estate world. You know, prior to that, most companies and still today have been doing this just like completely manually or in, in spreadsheets, Google Docs, real inefficient ways of making very high stakes decisions for their business. So I think what has happened is because real estate was hit so hard by the pandemic on both the retail side and the office side. So on the retail side, obviously stores had to grapple with like, how do we keep our doors open? How do we stay in business? You know, which state regulations change from state to state? How do we actually be nimble enough in, in order to, you know, renegotiate with our landlords or just make facilities related decisions? All of those things, you know, required you to dig into leases. And most companies just had their leases literally in a paper file or like a PDF somewhere. So to, to quickly understand like, what do I need to be basing my decision off of is very difficult. So because of that, we've seen a, a huge adoption in technology for real estate, um, because I think a lot of companies got caught with their pants down, quite frankly, with respect to like how they're better managing the real estate. So companies were double paying rent or missing rent payments or didn't realize they had a termination option that they could easily exercise to get out of the lease um, during the pandemic um, because they weren't tracking any of that stuff. So I think, and, and on the office side, similar scenario, like should we sublease our space? Where are people gonna work? Like how many people do we have in the space? What's the utilization percentage? And then like, what are the data points coming out of my portfolio that I need to inform a better decision? A lot of companies were not prepared for that either. So I think the adoption of digital is, is coinciding with um, not just the pandemic, but just the general um, kind of force moving in the software world, right? Like a lot of the technologies that the corporate real estate world relies on today are legacy technologies that were built, you know, over the past 25 years, they haven't innovated as much um, as the startups like us can. Um, so I think companies are thirsty for new ways of doing things and tools that can help them, you know, have a better user experience and, and, and gain wider adoption throughout the business. Because one thing that's, um, certain is that real estate has become kind of a, a front running issue across all departments now. It's not like you could just hire a head of real estate and that person just goes and does their job and make sure that the lights are on in the office. It's like your sales team's getting involved. Your marketing team is getting involved. Of course, the finance team is involved um, in, in the real estate team and then third parties. So in order to connect all of those people, like you got to have them mesh together with technology. Um, and if the technology is not nimble enough, it's going to fail. If you're not using tech, you're eventually going to make a mistake that costs a company a lot of money. So um, I think for those reasons, like tech is being adopted faster and faster um, coming out of the pandemic for sure. Okay. You mentioned the usefulness of tech to avoid mistakes. I'd like to bridge that world back over to something you mentioned in your introductory comments, lease accounting standards. We hear a lot about that. We've heard about that for years. I understand changes, though they've been delayed a bit, they're coming. Are companies ready for that? If not, why not? And what should they be doing to get ready? If I had to guess, I'd say at least 50% of companies don't even know that it's happening. Um, and it's not their fault. It's just that it's, it's a very kind of esoteric uh, issue in the accounting world with respect to how leases are treated. And if you don't have the expertise internally to stay on top of the changes, then 
you're basically going to get hit with a huge amount of work at audit time in order to kind of make your um, compliance um, up to par. Um, so I would say no, that most companies aren't prepared for it. Obviously, publicly traded companies have already been forced to adopt the new standards. Um, obviously, you can, you can ch choose your adoption date based on what your um, financial reporting schedules are. But the net effect of it is that by the end of this year, all companies are going to need to comply with this stuff. So, you know, we're, we're probably going to see this huge rush of people to how do I figure this out, right? If it's I have really um, competent external auditors and accountants that are I'm just going to outsource it to, that's fine. Um, but if I have a finance team internally that needs to all of a sudden gather information of 500 leases and understand the standards and what calculations need to be run, what reports um, need to be generated, what determinations need to be made at certain uh, across a, a multitude of different scenarios of leases. How am I going to learn that quickly enough? And then how am I going to do that like a spreadsheet? Um, that's just man hours that are going to delay um, the process that are going to put your company at risk for failing an audit, which is going to you know, uh, result in more auditing fees, et cetera. So it is a big problem um, for most companies to grapple with, especially companies that have big portfolios. But I mean, that's not to say there aren't solutions out there. And like Occupier is one of those, right? Like I think we're positioned uniquely because, you know, we have a single source of truth in the lease administration database that is being accessed by companies on a daily basis. So what the way we've designed our system is the lease accounting uh, compliance just gets automated based off the data in the lease administration system. So you don't have to be running a lease accounting software over here for the finance team, a lease administration transaction management pr uh, program over here for the real estate team and the brokers. Everybody's working off the same source of truth um, so that, you know, it's press of a button compliance um, obviously it's not that simple, but you know, that's, that's the, that's the concept. Um, because the largest part of adopting or becoming compliant is just the gathering of the information and making sure it's accurate. Like once you understand the calculations and you understand what reports to populate and how frequently to do that and how it's integrated with your, uh, general ledger system, then it's kind of a rinse and repeat process, but the upfront work to get something implemented and make sure that all the data is accurate is probably what's going to burn most people if they're not uh, paying attention to it. Okay. Sounds like it's time to get ready if you're not. Yeah, it certainly is. <laughs> For sure. Uh, now, uh, in terms of staffing, Matt, how is the role of the outsourced real estate partner changing? So big companies have relied on outsourcing partners for years. How is that shifting and evolving in today's world? And what about brokers specifically? Are companies using brokers about the same as they did before? A little more, a little less? How is that, how is that changing? I would say that companies are certainly relying on brokers um, almost 100% of the time, but maybe for different things. So you know, the, in the traditional world before, you know, the internet existed and, and real estate market data was owned literally by people who did the deals, it was important to know and utilize a broker because they had the currency of the market information. So, and there, there's still some truth to that, right? Like local expertise, boots on the ground knowledge, landlord relationships are all still very important when um, looking at 
negotiating transactions or just strategizing about like, you know, some deal in a market. But because tech has risen to the point of being able to make a little bit more data transparent and corporate real estate people have become more sophisticated in the way they look at things in terms of the workplace and data elements that help drive their decisions. Um, the broker is not only the chief negotiator, but has also more of like a um, kind of a strategic advisor for the company now. It's less about, hey, here's the market deal. Here's some comps. This is what's available. Let me go find you some space and negotiate. It's more around like, how do you align that strategy of the company and their overall business objectives with a real estate outcome? Um, so brokers are being looked upon more to say, look, you're actually an outsourced arm of my real estate decision-making process. You're not just like somebody who's pounding the pavement trying to execute a transaction. Um, so if you look at it from like a global perspective, some of the big corporate occupiers, they outsource not just brokerage, but every other service line to um, a JLL or a CDRE, right? And each one of those departments is looked upon for expertise. It's not like they're just executors of busy work. Um, and I think because they now have access to better tools and better information, they're becoming that much more sticky and valuable within that, that chain of command. And then on, on a, a, just a pure tenant rep basis, you know, the broker has always been somebody who has to prospect for their own tenants. They have to develop and maintain those relationships and they have to execute all of the workflows associated with getting a tenant into space. So, you know, when you look at kind of local tenants or like one-off deals and, and companies that don't have huge portfolios, the broker is even that much more important because those people aren't necessarily always experts in, you know, a commercial real estate transaction or just even managing a space. So um, I think going forward, uh, the role of the broker is going to be as important, if not more than ever. Um, I just think maybe their their role has has shifted a little bit. Um, and and also brokerage is a very competitive world, right? So if if you're not providing your client with the experience um, that they expect in 2021, 2022, an online experience, an experience that gives them quick, transparent, immediate access to the information about their portfolio or about an ongoing deal, then you're going to get left behind by the competition. So I think, yeah, there's there's definitely changes happening, but um, you know, the brokerage world isn't going away anytime soon. Okay, excellent. And now, Matt, here's my, my last question. As we look around us, uh, you guys are technology experts. We see technology disrupting the status quo everywhere in consumer behavior, all kinds of industries. It would seem that, given everything you've shared and just my own uh, knowledge, that the time would really be right now for technology to really disrupt the status quo of how real estate is bought, sold, managed. What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think like I, the, the word disruption, I think is is definitely, um, you know, a strong word in this case. I think there's, there's innovation to be gained here. Um, if you look at the last 10 years, you know, the, the, the prop tech world has just exploded, right? Like prop tech has become like a legitimate category for venture capital investments to focus on. Um, you know, previous to that, it was FinTech or InsureTech um, or just general technology. But because there's been a kind of a coalescence around the fact that the real estate industry in its massive size of trillions of dollars is an asset class that can't be ignored anymore um, from a tech perspective. So 
the, the wide ranging nature of the prop tech space is creating this kind of feeling that like, oh, eventually like this whole real estate industry is just gonna be automated by software and you know technology is gonna disrupt all of these intermediaries that exist in the space. I'd argue that it's just gonna make everybody better at what they do, right? So if you're a landlord and you're employing a new technology to help you, you know, model valuation better, um, yeah, maybe that might like diminish the role of an analyst a lot, but it's gonna make you better at your job. It's not gonna disrupt it, it effectively like how real estate is traded uh, between two parties. Um, an online you know, auction platform might be another example, right? Like there's still a buyer and a seller. It's just facilitated by a technology platform now. You still need people to go through the entire process of valuing the, valuing the building, um, entitling the property, all of those things that require like a ton of data, a ton of paper and a ton of work um, from a human perspective. Yeah, it's going, it might go from like here to here, but it's not just gonna like all of a sudden just like, overnight shift from a, I can click a button and own a building. So I think all around us, there's disruptive technology in, in the built world and the physical world. Um, but if you think about it from like the tenant's perspective, which is kind of the, the, the thrust of our product and what, who, who Cornet serves, there's a, a, like thousands of, of technologies that you could look at, but like you, as the end user, you have to determine like, what are my kind of North star metrics that I'm shooting for as a business or a business unit? And is there, are there tools out there that can help me drive towards that outcome? Um, and if they are, um, how expensive are they? Are they, are they worth the time and effort in terms of, um, you know, implementing those solutions and like, what is the long-term effect on my business, uh, that those are going to have. So, I think like when you, when people use the word disruption, they just think like, oh, one day everything's going to be completely changed, but there's so much evaluation and time and effort that goes into employing technology um, that it's, it, and it's such a massive unwieldy asset class that, you know, the pace of change is, is accelerated for sure, but it, the pendulum is really just still swinging, um, you know, in the direction of it becoming a much more automated industry. Okay, wonderful. Well, Matt, thanks so much for speaking with Cornet Global today. We appreciate these excellent insights. It's been great talking to you, and we appreciate uh, you sharing your knowledge with Cornet Global. Thanks, Tim. Really appreciate it. You can find us at Occupier.com or find me on uh, LinkedIn.